Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Are you for these kids? Not only are they a gift, uh, it's a gift to our church, uh, a church that has young life, older life, multi-generations coming together to worship the Lord. Um, There's something special about hearing children proclaim the truth of Christ in this season, and uh, hopefully you were blessed by that this morning. I just want to welcome, if you're a guest with us, uh, a family member that came to uh, support maybe a grandchild or a neighbor, uh, we're so thankful you're here. Welcome to Salem Heights Church. And uh, we're going to kind of shift now as that worship has primed our hearts, hopefully to hear from the Lord this morning. We're going to turn our attention to his word. So if you have a copy of God's word and want to join me, I want to invite you to find your way to the gospel of John, the very first chapter As we prepare this morning our hearts and minds for Christmas and look at one of the descriptions of Christ. As you turn there, I just have a couple of quick announcements for our church family. We got a couple of special events this week. Two nights this week, we have Christmas at the Elsinore, and hopefully you've been able to uh, grab tickets for that. I was told this morning there are still a few tickets left. If you haven't been able to do that, uh, you can go online to the church website and secure your tickets. If you have extra tickets and want to turn those in, you can do that. All the information for how to get those tickets back to the Elsinore is also on our church website. And if you get confused, you can call our church office this week. We'd love to help you with that. Uh, The doors are going to open at 6 o'clock. The shows are going to start at 7 o'clock each night. And I was also told that uh, we are planning, uh, we've been able to secure someone that can play the beautiful pipe organ that's in the Elsinore for the hour before the service starts. So if that is something that interests you, come and enjoy that music as it's being played ahead of time. And then next Sunday is Christmas morning, and we are going to be gathering for one service as a church family at 10 o'clock. So not 9, not 11, at 10 in this room. We're going to have the room set up for families. Uh, There won't be uh, child care or D6 that morning. We're inviting all the families that want to come and attend to come in the room. It's a very family-friendly service. And uh, we're looking forward to worshiping together. And if you can't join us in person, uh, join us online. We will have a live stream of that service that you can watch either at 10 o'clock or on demand after that. You know, one of my favorite things about this time of year is the warm glow of, of clear Christmas lights strung around a Christmas tree in a dimly lit room. Kind of like sitting by a fire I find just being able to to do that, there's something reflective, contemplative about that setting. There's something soothing. You know, many of the the decorations that we see around the church and in our homes and around the city uh, have symbolic meaning to Christians. Uh, They're not just decorations. There's something that those decorations are intending to draw us into, a memory to try to get our minds to go back to something that the Bible clearly teaches us about the Lord, whether it be Christmas trees or candy canes, stars put on top of a tree, and many others. Christmas decorations for a Christian are not just something that bring us joy. They teach a message. They remind us of a truth. And lights are one of those symbolic things. They're special because they remind us not of something that Christ has done for us in the past, 
and coming to earth, but something that he continues to do for us today. For some of us, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. But for many, it's a struggle. This time of year is tough. It has challenges. It can be stressful. It can be a time of loneliness. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is work our way through a number of passages, a number of statements that are recorded for us in the Gospel of John. And my hope this morning is that as we read them all together, they will collectively lead us to one simple, encouraging truth, and that is this. Jesus came to bring light into a world walking in darkness. Jesus came to bring light to a world that is walking in darkness. As we consider that truth this morning, my hope is that you will be encouraged by what it represents, both in the past, but also for us today. This has been my heart's desire for us. It's just not for us to reflect on what happened for, for us a couple thousand years ago, but to realize that what Christ came to do is still meant to be uh, the thing that drives us and guides us and lights our way today. And so I'm gonna invite you to read along. We have several passages, so I'm not gonna have a stand this morning, but I would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles and, uh, or on the screens as we hear from God's word. If you're ready to hear from the word of the Lord, say ready. ready. This is the word of the Lord, starting in John 1, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Skip down to verse nine. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Flip over to John chapter eight. No, that's not rain. That's, that's Bible's turning. I love that. <laughs> John eight verse 12, Jesus makes this statement. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Flip over a few more pages to chapter 12, verse 46. Here we see another phrase, another statement Jesus is making about himself to a group of followers. 
I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. One final statement in John chapter 14, verse six, a a very familiar passage for most believers. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you pray with me? God, I just so thankful to have this opportunity now for us to look into the word and to consider what does it mean that your son is the light of the world. God, help us to see that that is not a great truth that impacts our past or secures our future, but God, that is a truth that is meant to light the way for us today. God, we love you. We thank you. Help us understand your word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Again, the simple point I want us to just focus on in our few minutes together this morning is that Jesus came to bring light into a world walking in darkness. So the question might be, how is the world dark? I like how one pastor put it. He says, in the Bible, the word darkness refers to both evil and ignorance. Those are the two ways that the world is dark. There is evil, there is sin that's in our world, but there's also ignorance. He goes on to describe it like this. It means that the world is filled with evil and untold suffering. Look at what was happening at the time of the birth of Jesus. Violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing, oppression, families ripped apart, and bottomless grief. Sounds exactly like today. The other way the world is in the dark is that no one knows enough to cure the evil and suffering in it. When I was uh, a kid, every summer we would go uh, camping and there was this, uh, they called it a lake, it was, it was really a pond uh, that we would swim in for hours. And there'd be times where it was just kind of calm, there wasn't anybody in the water yet. And there's just something in a young boy's heart that whenever you see a calm body of water, you have to disrupt it. And so, you know, that's where I learned how to skip rocks. But, you know, you're not just satisfied with skipping a rock. You want to see something that goes kaboom in the water. And so you're trying to pick up the biggest rock you can as a child and just heave it in there. For whatever reason, that is fun. And that can keep you entertained for hours as a young boy. But when you throw that, that, water, that rock into the water that's calm, there's a ripple effect. That one instance, that one impact starts to send ripples that begin to, it can, it can cause you know, boats and rafts to kind of float on top of the water. It can disrupt some of the sediment underneath the water. It causes an effect. That's what happened when sin, in, sin entered the world, the beginning of human history. If we read that story in Genesis chapter three that Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they disobeyed his instruction. And, it, and as a result, sin entered the world. And that, that sin has now broken everything that has come in its, in its wake since that point. Sin entered the world because of man's rebellion against God. And now the brokenness caused by that sin touches every aspect of life. One pastor wrote it like this, brokenness is not the same as sin. Sin is our rebellion against a holy God. Brokenness is the effect of that rebellion in our lives and around in the world around us. There's brokenness everywhere. And even as believers, 
Many of us here today who have professed faith in Christ, we believe that that baby born in a manger wasn't just a human, that was God in the flesh who had come to live a perfect life so that he could die as a qualified sacrifice for the sins of all people. For even for us who believe that truth and have been saved by that truth, have had our sins forgiven by that faith, still have to deal with the brokenness of this world. And no matter how secure our future is, no matter how much hope we have in Christ, we still feel the effects of that brokenness in our lives every day. And because of that, we need the light. We need the light. The word here spoken in John 1.1 that became flesh and dwelt among us was Christ. He is God. And he came with light. That is the life for men. And he came into this world and he says that I've come to bring light into darkness. And those who believe will no longer remain in darkness, will no longer walk in darkness. That is truth for today because even though we are saved, even though we have great hope, not only that our sins are forgiven, but that Christ is coming back for us and we're gonna spend eternity with him. He has not left us here with a secure future and said, hey, just do the best you can, try to figure it out until I come back. No, he has given us light to help us navigate the brokenness until he returns. That is hope. That is life. And so we need the light because without light, we can't find the way. John 14, six says, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, there's no other way. Without the light, if the light did not come, you and I would not have been able to find the way. So what is the way? It's our path out of brokenness and back to God. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They had perfect intimacy and relationship and union with their creator. And then the moment that they sinned, something broke. They became spiritually dead. They would eventually become physically dead, but they were also removed from the presence of God. They were moved outside the garden, never able to re-enter that based on their own works because now sin had broken everything. And there is nothing that we could do to find a way back into that place where there is no sin and there's perfect harmony and there's perfect provision in our own abilities. No matter how smart we are, we couldn't get any superhero to get us back in there. There wasn't, any, there wasn't gonna be any kind of scientist or detective who could find a way for us to get back in there. We were removed. We can't deal with that brokenness that is still impacting our life though until we first deal with our sin issue. But we can't find the way. We are lost and walking in darkness is what scripture says. Uh, there, there are terms in the Bible that describe you and I before accepting Christ as blind. We're spiritually blind. We can't see truth. We can't perceive truth. We can't discern truth. We don't stumble upon truth. In fact, our attitude is more rebellious against claims of truth that don't align with what we want in our sinfulness. And yet, God, in his great love for you and I, seeing us in our rebellion, seeing us in our stubbornness, seeing in our just propensity to make the same foolish mistake over and over and over again. Instead of being offended by that, instead of saying, that's it, I'm withdrawing from them, he sent his son into the world to be light. Why? Because he seeks and goes after the lost. 
He sent his son into the world to be light, to seek and to save you. To seek and to save me. Because we can't find our way back to him. It was through his death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus would restore a path that would lead us back, a way back to intimacy and fellowship and relationship with God. And so he comes and he does that for us, not because we deserve it, but because of his great love for us. He comes in the flesh and we celebrate that at Christmas. But then as he grew up in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and man and then began his earthly ministry, as he began to declare that he was the light of the world, as we saw in two of the passages this morning, what does he do? He invites mankind to follow him. He says, I know the way. I'm here to to restore that way back to God. Follow me and you'll get there. But don't try to get there another way because there's only one way. If the light did not come, we would not know the way back to God. Are you thankful for that? But even after we are saved, without the light, we can't find the way. Why? Because this, this brokenness is like a haze. It's like we're in the middle of a war field and it's like everywhere we go, we're, we're seeing booby traps and pitfalls and cliffs and there's just, you know, there's no such thing as friendly fire in a broken world. We need help to navigate the brokenness of our world. <clears throat> Another pastor described it like this. Sin didn't just distort our past or jeopardize our future, it disorders our present. A few years ago, we had the ice storm of 2021. And I remember I was, I was asleep in my bed and all of a sudden I hear a bang, bang, bang on my front door and I was disoriented. I'm a heavy sleeper so that, that I mean, it was loud. It, I was like, oh, hopefully they got the wrong door and, and I just was trying to go back to sleep. I waited there for a second and bang, bang, bang. And Pete, Pete. Well, I'm a contact wearer. So I did my contacts in. I'm disoriented, so don't know who it is. I, I go outside and I open the door and my neighbor's like, we're getting out of here. There's, you know, trees are snapping, they're falling and there's a tree that's like leaning over your house. So I go out there, I, I can't see anything. My eyes are, I don't have my contacts in. And, and so the rest of the night, what did I hear? What a lot of you heard is just the cracking of trees, the, the bursting of transformers as ice was weighing down trees and causing mass chaos. The next morning I get up and thankfully that tree hadn't fallen on our house. Um, These are pictures from another house in town here. We understand, remember that damage, right? But I remember that next day, I was trying to get out from where I live just to, to get to some gas and to get to some power and to some warmth. And every, every road I tried to take was blocked. So I had to turn around and I'm thinking, am I gonna you know, have to go like Bear Grylls and Survivor Man and get a machete out and lead my family to, to safety? Now, finally, I found one little path, one that was a couple of different side streets that I was able to maneuver around some trees that were in the road but weren't blocking it completely. And I was able to get out of my neighborhood to a portion of town that had electricity. Even after we have believed in Christ, the brokenness that's caused by sin continues to litter our lives with all these places that make it difficult to know where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to navigate this challenge, this hardship? 
and the light has come in Jesus Christ that says, I know the way, let me show you. And so the encouraging word for us is follow me and I will show you the way. This, when, when Jesus says, I am the way, he's not just saying only that I am the only way to deal with your sin, to lead you back into right standing with God. That is true. But he's also saying, I am the way for you to follow as you navigate the in-between. From when I save you to when you're with me forever. And yet some of us are, we'll, we'll take advantage of that salvation gift. We'll believe in Christ for our salvation. And then we're trying to navigate life apart from him. And we get frustrated when we just keep running into roadblocks and hazards. We're thinking it's not supposed to be this way. Christ saved me. He's saying, I, I didn't leave you here to figure it out on your own. You couldn't start, you couldn't save yourself. And I'm not asking you to do anything besides follow me. I know the way, will you follow me? Without the light, we can't find the way, but without the light, we also can't see the truth. <clears throat> One author put it like this, part of what makes darkness terrible is that it masquerades as light. You think you know where you are and where you are going, but you don't. You think you see what's true about your spiritual surrounding, but you don't. You think you are fully alive, but you aren't. The light in you is darkness. And in this light, you don't see light. Second Corinthians 4, 4 put it this way. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus Christ came as the light of the world to show us the truth because we're not gonna stumble across it. We're not, even if it was right in front of us because we're blinded, because we were dead in our sins and trespasses, we would not see it apart from him bringing it to life. For him, the Bible uses the word illuminate. We needed his help to be able to see the truth, to also be able to see our spiritual condition, to see what was going on around us. In John 18, 37, Jesus said this, I was born for this and I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus says, one of the reasons I have come is to clarify for all humankind what is true and what is false. Are you thankful that he did that? Isn't it so hard to know what's true? I mean, we can go searching for truth on Google and we'll get 5 million possibilities. How do we know what's true? There was one time someone came to me and said, Pastor, I didn't think you need to start telling people to stop trusting the internet. There's so much you know, lies out there. And I have, found, I have found the truth on the internet. I scratched my head. You're telling me to tell people not to go to the internet, but where you found your truth is on the internet. How do you know what your truth is true? This is true. This is light. Sometimes we don't want to accept that. We want to go, is this still relevant for today? Can't there be a different way? Is there a new spin on this? Is this out? I mean, it just seems too restrictive. And he's saying, no, no, this is the only way. This is the only truth. And I've given it to you to light your path. Will you trust it? 
See, not only has he given us his words, he also lived a life for us to follow. See, Jesus' words and his works, his living example, are the wisdom and instruction we need for living in the in-between. So it's not just what Jesus said. If you're like me, I can have someone teach me something verbally, but then I need to see it demonstrated. Then I need to be coached and tutored as I try to live it out. And that's what he does for us. The words have been declared in scripture, but then Jesus lived a life which personifies what it looks like to, to live submitted to God's will, to follow him. And then he has given us his Holy Spirit now as this, this perfect and permanent guide and tutor to help us understand God's word and to convict us when we're getting a little bit distracted and off course and to show us how to get back in line with God and to encourage us on how to, to be in him. And so the encouraging word for us this morning, he says, is listen to me and I will tell you the truth. There's so many other voices trying to say, I, this is the truth. There's so many other voices trying to say, this is what you should follow. This is where you're gonna find the truth. This is where you're gonna find a way, a path to peace. They're, they're competing with God's word and he's saying, I am the way, follow me. I am the truth, listen to me. We needed the light to help us navigate the brokenness of the world. And we needed the light to be able to see the truth. But without the light, we would also never discover real life. We read in John chapter one, verse four, it said this, in him was life and that life was the light of men. You know, the grace that God shows us, this undeserved favor continues to be the provision for us to, to experience God's promises of a life of unity with him and the promises of, of a life that is going to make it. It's gonna be, it's gonna reach completion if it's dependent upon Christ. Grace upon grace upon grace. We can struggle, we can get distracted, but his grace is abundant and it is better than anything this world tries to offer us as life. Tim Keller put it like this. In short, Jesus is the divine light of the world. He brings a new life to replace our spiritual deadness because he shows us the truth that heals our spiritual blindness. And because he is the beauty that breaks our addictions to money, sex, and power. The light of the world says, here's where real life can be found. And here, I wanna give it to you freely, not because you deserve it, because it's a grace gift, it's undeserved. Will you just open your hands and take it? Will you let go of the world, what the world's trying to offer you as true life and open your hands so I can fill them abundantly with a life that I created you for. And yet we are constantly grabbing after something in the world thinking this is where I'm gonna find true life. And yet in his love and his gentleness and his kindness, he keeps calling us saying, Will you put that down today? See, if you're like me, we, we made professions to trust Christ as our savior many years ago, but the problem is, is that we're not with him yet. That sin nature hasn't been removed. The brokenness of the world hasn't been cured yet. And so it is easy for us to get off course. It's easy for us to get distracted. It's easy for us to get taken down and tripped up. And he's saying, I didn't just bring the light to solve your sin problem. I brought the light to be your guiding light as you live for me until I return. And so as we look at the lights this year of a Christmas tree or the lights strung to decorate homes, 
Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're fun. They're festive. They might remind us of traditions that are perfectly fine and good. But for us, the light reminds us that it didn't just, it's not just a pretty decoration. It, it reminds us that the light of the world came into darkness to rescue us and to show us the way, the truth, and the life. And if we will trust in that, here is the amazing promise we saw in John 1 verse 5. It says that the light shines in darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Because that's the real test, right, of faith? Can God be trusted? That's the, that's the idea that Satan tried to attack in the garden with Adam and Eve. Did God really say can, did what he say, can it, does it actually carry weight? And he says, if you will trust that the light of the world is the way, the truth, and the life, it will come into darkness and it will dispel darkness and darkness will never overcome it. There's a story that you may have heard before about a dark cave. <clears throat> This cave was deep in the ground underneath the earth, hidden away from you. And because it was so deep in the earth, the light had never been there. The cave had never seen light. The word light meant nothing to the cave who couldn't imagine what life or what light might be. Then one day the sun sent an invitation to the cave, inviting it to come up for a visit. And when the cave came up to visit the sun, it was amazed and delighted because the cave had never seen light before. And it was dazzled by the wonder of the experience. Feeling so grateful to the sun for inviting it to visit, the cave wanted to return the kindness. And so it invited the sun to come down to visit it sometime because the sun had never seen darkness. So the day came and the sun entered the cave. It looked around with great interest, wondering what darkness would be like. Then it became puzzled and asked the cave, where is the darkness? Why is that? Because light dispels darkness. Darkness cannot overtake light. And the light of the world came into the darkness where it shines the brightest and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And if you trust in me, all this brokenness and all this darkness that just swirls around your life and constantly is trying to trip you up, it, it might knock you down it might discourage you, but it will never overtake you because my light is in you. That's an encouraging word. If we stay close to him, you will experience true life, guaranteed. But this life and this light is not a resource, it's a relationship. So we have to walk in the light. Sometimes uh, in our Christian faith, we want to receive God's blessings and then we want to like, we want to take the responsibility of applying them to our lives and carrying them out in obedience in our own power and our own strength. And so we want the light, right? Who wouldn't want the light? Who wouldn't want to know the real way? Who, want, who wouldn't want to know the, the truth? Who wouldn't want to experience real life? And we're like, yes, we want all that, right? Thank you, Lord, put that in our backpack and then we're gonna go off on our way and we're gonna dole it out when we think we need it and we're gonna, it's not how it works. 
We read John 8, 12. I'll read it for us again. It says, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. And listen to this. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the, the way that we experience the light is by abiding in it, following him, staying close to him, letting him lead the way, letting him direct our path, letting him direct our steps. The light of the world is not just a resource given to us. It's a relationship. Do you want to experience the light in your life? We have to walk closely with our Savior. Jesus doesn't want to just deal with our past and secure our future. He wants to be our light in the present. John, 1 John Verses five through seven in chapter one say this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. The light came the light remains and the light will return soon. Are you walking in the light? The light of the world came into a world walking in darkness so that we did not have to remain in darkness. And that is good news. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for not only the gift of one who would come and give his life as a ransom for many, one who would pay the penalty for our sins on a cross for sins he did not commit and to receive a punishment he did not deserve. God, we thank you for that gift. We thank you for his willingness to obey the plan. But he was not just the sacrifice, the savior. He is the light of the world. So God, as we sit this week and we enjoy the decorations of beautifully lit Christmas trees and hot houses and yards decorated with lights, let us as Christians remember symbolically that those are there to remind us that the light of the world came into darkness so that we do not have to remain in the darkness alone. God, thank you for a light that guides our steps. Help us to trust in you so that we can navigate the brokenness of this world until we're with you forever. We love you. We thank you for this great gift and we pray it in your son's beautiful name.